Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the College Garage Podcast. This is Dylan, and it has been exactly one year and one day since I published my last episode. That was about the Dodge Nitro, and it was a quick six-minute episode. Uh, Before I took a little bit of a hiatus as my life became uh, increasingly hectic around uh, college and vehicles and everything, as I'm sure everyone around the country and the world knows are it's been a hectic time to be alive but today i'm going to be talking about my newest vehicle that i have added to the list of vehicles i've driven that's going to be a 1998 dodge ram 1500 of course this is a dodge ram because this is before ram split off into its own company uh so To start the episode, I'm just going to rattle off a list of Wikipedia fun facts on it. So, uh, the towing capacity is between 3,500 and 5,200. Mine is equipped with a 5.9 liter V8, uh, the Magnum V8, which shares that name with the 5.2 liter V8, which is the smaller option there. There was also an option for a 3.9 liter V6, but of course that's just no fun at all. So I decided to go with the 5.9. Again, if you have the 5.2, that's completely adequate, but the 5.9, it's just bigger, and bigger is always better. Who needs gas mileage, am I right? Uh, My truck is equipped with a four-speed automatic. There was also an option for a five-speed manual, but as I don't really know very well how to drive a manual, I decided that was probably not the greatest idea for me to get. 5.9 liter makes about 245 horsepower, which... It's not a great amount. It's also not a terrible amount. And of course, you can rely on the mile per gallon that they list online, but mine doesn't get anywhere close to that. In the city, it gets 10 to 11 miles to the gallon. On the highway, between usually about 14 to 18 miles to the gallon, depending on how I'm driving and how nice I decide to be to it. As far as torque goes in that truck, it makes about 345 pound-feet of torque. So you can see that the engine in that vehicle is a torque-heavy engine. It's not a horsepower engine. It's not a sports car. It's a truck. You buy it to tow. You buy it to haul. Stuff like that. That being said, I cannot tow anything with that truck because my trailer wiring is cut, busted, rusted, corroded it's just disgusting down there i don't even have the four flat attachment on there it's just straight wires dangling down it's on my list to fix and as far as that truck goes it's pretty far down my list to fix since i've owned this truck and i got it last august early august i believe it's had myriad of problems ranging from four-wheel drive issues to engine issues to electrical issues like it's just been i love the truck don't get me wrong it's a beast of a truck but it has its issues and of course that comes with it's got just under two hundred and eighteen thousand miles as of this recording and it's going up every day i should be cresting 218 later today after work of course i'm recording this on my break so that should be pretty soon here 
But the main issue that I had been having was intermittent dyeing. And that's going to be my main subject of this video. And it's just going to be about issues I've had with the truck and what you should know before you get into these vehicles. So this is a second gen Ram pickup. So this is the second generation of the Ram. Course, Dodge had pickups beforehand before they went to the Ram but this is the second one of the Ram model of pickup so the first first year that these pickups were introduced was 1980 and those were manufactured up until about 1993 or so after 93 they switched to the second gen uh, and that was introduced for the 94 model year. And these ones, uh, the people over at Dodge said that they designed this truck based on the look of a semi. And you can definitely see it looking at the vehicle. You've got kind of a large blocky front grille, smaller lights off to the side that are set into the wheel housing or the wheel wells. Uh, the, gr the hood pops up words off of the wheel wells it just you gotta see it and if you look on my instagram the college garage pod instagram or the facebook when i post the post about this episode you're gonna see a picture of my truck so that's kind of what it looks like and you can definitely see those styling cues that came off of a semi but Specifically, this episode is going to be talking about that second generation. Of course, those, everyone knows those Ram pickups are still being made. They're not under that Dodge name anymore. Now Ram is its own separate company, so it's not a Dodge Ram. It's just the Ram. But more or less, it's going to be the same thing. They're both owned by Chrysler. Well, now Stellantis, so it's not going to be completely owned by Chrysler anymore. And basically this episode is going to be talking about the problems I've had with that truck. So my model is a 1998 Ram. It's got the 5.9 Magnum. And it's four-wheel drive. It's a crew cab. It's got the six-and-a-half-foot bed, so it's not the long bed. It's the six-and-a-half. It's green in color. It's, it's the Laramie trim, which doesn't really mean anything for these trucks trim back in these days didn't really mean or at least on this model of truck it didn't add a whole lot it's pretty bare bones mine has large black fender flares on the side uh for the most part it's not overly special it's pretty bare bones it's cloth seats snow leather i prefer the cloth seats in it it's got the that token late 90s bus seat kind of vibe to it so it's got all the random shapes on it but yeah so when I first got it back in early August late August whatever it seemed like a very beautiful truck it's got almost no rust on it the body's in beautiful shape the paints in decent condition large black fender flares on it the headlights are a little foggy those need to be those need to be buffed and repaired out there but other than those things it also had a crack in the windshield i should add which is still there i'm not fixing that 
other than that, it's it looked like a really nice truck. Other than, of course, the high mileage. It was at 212 when I bought it. But I did my research on the engine. 5.9. It's got its problems. Prime of which is the is the seal, the gasket around the intake manifold tends to fail on that. And that is mainly the only large problem that's known to happen commonly on these vehicles. Of course, every vehicle has its share of other random problems that'll happen every once in a while, but that's the main one. And that tends to happen with higher miles. I knew that was an issue going into this purchase and I figured I would have to do that myself. They make kits that improve the design of it, of that seal so that you are less likely to have that fail and some of them can even boost a little bit of horsepower it's a fix that you can do for under $300 I knew that going in I figured I could do that myself it's a reasonable fix to repair yourself in a garage and of course I don't have a whole lot of tools obviously I'm in college I don't have a lot of tools time or money to repair this vehicle but that one seemed like something I could do so I bought it, 212,000 miles. It ran pretty nice. The engine idled, ran, drove down the road beautifully, went to a parking lot and checked and made sure that it would shift into all of the four-wheel drive, all of the four-wheel drive settings, and it did. It rolled under all of them. Of course, if you're driving these four-wheel drive vehicles that don't have that four auto, you don't want to be in four-wheel drive on dry pavement. I did it so that I can make sure it worked. I don't recommend that if you're doing it on the daily. Of course, if you're testing a vehicle you're about to buy, you should test that and make sure you're not buying something that's just utter garbage. So I made sure that that all worked. I didn't drive far, didn't drive fast, but it worked. And this vehicle has this Ram has the four-wheel drive manual shift on the floor, so it's mounted in front of the center bench seat offset to the left. It's got four high, low, neutral, and two-wheel drive. Everything you ever need. I tested all of the modes, shifted into all of them extremely smoothly. I was actually really surprised. The transmission shifted extremely smoothly for that age of vehicle. The engine ran like butter when I first got it. Suspension felt great. Overall, the vehicle, it just seemed like a great deal for under five grand. So I bought it. Traded the old Chrysler in since that started using oil, but that's a whole nother mess for a different video. And I was pretty satisfied with the truck for a while until the first issue cropped up and that was in the rain, it would die on me. It would start idling really rough at a stoplight and then just peter off and die right there. It'd start back up, idle a little bit rough until I got driving again. It would mostly do this and stop and go. And then as soon as I started rolling again decently, it would run relatively normally. I figured this should be something electrical. Spark plug wires or something arcing up under the hood tends to lead to that kind of an issue. When it's wet and water gets onto those electrics, they start arcing. 
Spark plugs don't perform efficiently and the vehicle is prone to dying. I ended up, I almost replaced the coil on it. This is a single coil, so it's not the coil on plug configuration of other vehicles like the Chrysler or Ford 5.4 Triton. Those are all coil on plug. This one's just a single central coil that hooks into the distributor. So that's a little bit different than other vehicles I've driven, but a lot easier to replace since it's just right up front. It's one thing held on by two bolts and it's got two wires going into it. Super easy replacement, but it's like a $40, $50 part, which isn't a lot of money, but for one little part like that, it's a little bit more expensive. I didn't feel like replacing that or paying that money. So what I did was I took the wire off, tapped it out, and there was a lot of rust shaving in just that wire connector that went from the coil to the distributor. So I tapped it out, applied dielectric, cleaned it up best I could in a 10 minute period, put it back on, got it on there sticking pretty nice onto the coil, and it never died on me again in the rain. Ran a little bit iffy when it started raining, but it never died. That was good enough for me for the time being. I mean, it's a 213,000 mile truck at that point. I'm not going to put a whole lot of money into it. Did that mislead me? Come winter time, you know, you're going to want four-wheel drive in North Dakota. Grand Forks, North Dakota, you need four-wheel drive in the winter, at least a little bit. You don't need it all the time, but it's really, really nice to have when you're starting to get stuck, of course. Rear-wheel drive is kind of just garbage, especially on a pickup truck with no weight in the bed. You want to use rear-wheel drive? Throw some sandbags in the bed. Sandbags are expensive. I don't feel like spending that money. Nobody does. We're college students. That's just too much money. Uh, but So I started having four-wheel drive issues, all right? So when I shifted it into four-wheel drive, I would hear this massive clunking sound coming from underneath and up front. Obviously, if it only happens when I shift it into four-wheel drive, it's an issue with the front drive, not the rear. Because if it was the rear, there would be an issue in two-wheel drive as well, since that goes only to the rear. So it has to be the front. Tear open the front. Of course, I'm paying a shop to do this. It's the dead of winter in North Dakota, and I'm poor and don't have a shop or any tools to do this. So I'm paying a shop to do it. They diagnose it as uh, bad U-joints on the drive shafts. Completely reasonable. I figured that's what it was. Replace the U-joints. Got the truck back. Still having clunking issues in this truck. Well, shoot. Now what do I do? Look it up some more, Google it some more, find out that chances are it's wheel bearings or hub bearings up front. Take it into the guy again. He's like, yep, hub bearings. Go figure. So we get those replaced, get them at AutoZone for a little bit less than what they would have bought them so I don't have that labor warranty and I don't have the part warranty through the shop. Oh well, I have the part warranty through AutoZone. Good enough for me. Later on, I can replace them myself or whatever, but I highly doubt this truck's going to go through wheel bearings again in its life. It's at 218,000 miles. That's just probably not going to happen. Get it back. Still clunking. However, it's only clunking on acceleration. On heavy acceleration, I should add. So I got rid of this clunking while I'm driving. 
good enough for me, shift it into four-wheel drive whenever I absolutely positively need to. And this is when I'm like stuck stuck. So it works all right. If I stay slow, if I accelerate light, it doesn't clunk that much. Of course, I'm gonna need it replaced eventually if I keep using this vehicle, but for now it works to get me out. I should add these Ram trucks, these second gen Ram pickups in two wheel drive, destroy the snow. No problems 99% of the time in these trucks in two wheel drive. I can get up and go off of a stop sign, stoplight. Sure, it takes me a couple seconds longer than the all wheel drive Subaru sitting next to me, but I can get off the light. I've seen trucks having more issues, newer trucks having more issues off of a stop sign. My truck, it goes pretty all right. So I don't really need the four wheel drive, especially when I got new tires. Get the new tires, they clean my battery there, and all of a sudden, after I get these new tires on, my truck just starts dying randomly. Just, it'll be running completely fine, 1500 RPM, just shuts off. Straight down to zero RPM. Sometimes it fires up, sometimes it doesn't fire up. And this was the single biggest pain to diagnose on a vehicle myself. Very few people have this issue online with this truck. Very few people have this issue with any vehicle in general. But I tracked down a laundry list of things that could be causing it. My first thought, it has to be electrical. It wouldn't just die like this if it was something related to fuel. If it was fuel, it would usually peter out, start to stall, run a little bit rough, and then it would die. This one just cut straight. So I figured something electrical that affects every cylinder because it's not just a misfire, it's every cylinder shut off. All right, so when you have something affecting every cylinder, it can't be singled out to one cylinder. So that eliminates a spark plug and because not all eight spark plugs go bad all at once randomly intermittently. That's just, that doesn't happen. It's statistically impossible, of course not fully impossible, but you get, you get my drift, right? And that also eliminates wires. Not all of the wires are going to go bad, but I knew wires needed to be done. I knew the coil needed to be done, but since this is one single coil going to every cylinder or going to the distributor, it could be the coil, it could be the distributor. The distributor, of course, has wires running to every cylinder. Those are my two main things. I look online, you find other people saying other things. Could be coil, could be distributor, could be crankshaft sensor, camshaft sensor. And it could be a relay. I was looking at the ASD, auto shutdown relay. This is the relay that controls and shuts down the vehicle after you turn the key off. This relay is working intermittently, which can happen. I've heard, I've had people tell me relays, when they fail, they fail, they fail. They fail completely. Not true. A relay can work intermittently. They're affected by cold, they're affected by heat. They can work intermittently. So I figured that could be a problem as well. This ASD, if it gets stuck, it'll just shut my vehicle off. And that was a reasonable assumption. I've had other people tell me that's a reasonable assumption. But I kept working on this vehicle, trying to figure out what it could be. Until finally, when it died one day, I got a check engine light. 
it was a check engine light for cam slash crankshaft sensor. All right, so these are two different sensors. Camshaft obviously determines the position of the cam and the crankshaft the crank. Crankshaft sensor, the crankshaft position, All right? Look up this vehicle. I got another code. It was specifically related to the camshaft sensor. I figure that's it. That's what's causing it. Camshaft sensor loses connection, doesn't know where it is, shuts the vehicle off because it obviously can't determine timing if it doesn't know where the camshaft is. So I have this replaced. In this vehicle, that sensor is located inside of the distributor. So they had to replace the entire distributor. Figure, well, it's in the shop. Do it. Distributor, wires, coil. All three of them. Hopefully one of those is it. It is not. Take it into the shop to finally diagnose it again. Have them actually diagnose it rather than me telling them what to do. Yes, yes, I know. Shouldn't tell the shop what to do if I don't know myself. Uh, finally diagnose it. It's the crankshaft sensor. Replace that now today. Just got it back this morning. And boy, does it run absolutely average. No dying, nothing. And I suppose it's fixed. I don't know for sure. Because, like I say, it's an intermittent issue. But, so far it seems like it's fixed. But, I guess not everyone's going to have these issues. I don't know what issues this truck has had previous to me, to my ownership. Could have been a perfectly running truck. Could have had the whole engine replaced. I have absolutely no repair records. But these are the issues I've had with the vehicle. And the strengths of the vehicle. Those being, of course... It's killer in two-wheel drive, it's a very capable truck, it's got a powerful engine, plenty of bed space, towing capacity is nice, and it rides so smoothly. Would I buy it again? Absolutely. It's been a great truck. When it's running, it runs like a champ. You don't find many vehicles this old with this many miles that are still running and in good of shape, and in good as shape as this one is. I recommend it. So, if you are looking for a truck and you don't have a lot of money to spend, find a second-gen Dodge. They're old, they're a little bit temperamental, but they're easy to work on. I would work on it if I had the space and the money to get the tools. And other than that, I would just completely recommend it. Of course, I'll update with podcast episodes of any more issues that come up now that I'm kind of sunk with money into this truck but for now it's running nice of course I hope I can be back next week again this is Dylan with the College Garage Podcast have a good day